Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for what we've heard again this morning of your love for us and reminder again in Sunday school of the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice and the reminder over and over again lest we forget. Bless Mel as he brings the message this morning. We can speak through him into our hearts and regards. Let's pray to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Greetings in Jesus' name and welcome to each one this morning. It's been good to be here. Certainly been blessed in our Sunday school study. Uh, thank you also for the devotional meditation, Dalvin. Um, certainly following that schedule does force you to read a lot of passages you wouldn't normally. And also uh, I find you do learn a lot, even if it's just a reading, not a studying, but more just reading. There's a lot of benefits for that, so thank you for that encouragement. This morning's message uh, is in the form of a question. Uh, there's a bit of a typo in the bulletin, but it's actually, who am I? With a question mark. Who am I? Now, if you were to, if you were asked that question, there's likely some context. Whether it has to do with your work, your relationship to your family, something you did last week, maybe it's just name and address. That's not really what we're looking for. It's more in the context this morning of who am I in Christ or apart from Christ. And that's what I'd like to focus on. And I go to reading for a, a text from Ephesians 2 and then... Uh, coming back to that a little bit later for some further comments. But let's read Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, and then we'll get into this. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you have he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all, had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And there's a lot of good thoughts from there out, but that's where I'm going to stop reading for the time being. You know, we as human beings uh, think highly of ourselves. Just in my lifetime, man has sent a crew to the moon and have explored space extensively. There's quite a been, been a, quite a few trips since that 1969 one. And, and they are learning a lot. You know, our lives are largely automated with computer-guided machinery, 
and we can travel to the other side of the world in relative ease and comfort rather quickly. Communication has gone to a whole new level in my lifetime, and there's certainly medical procedures performed today that are truly amazing. And in that way, mankind has really, we would say, come a long way, accomplished a lot. And in that sense, yeah, there certainly are some amazing, amazing procedures and technologies available that are for us to use today. And yet, of ourselves, without the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ, we are nothing. It's only as we give ourselves to the work of the Lord and commit our ways to God and to him that we will find joy and fulfillment in our day-to-day -day living. And I'd like to look further into that as we think of that. First of all, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we will see, of course, this is where the account is given of man was created, where it started. But we were made in the image of God. Now, I'm not sure what all comes to your mind uh, when you hear that. And looking up that word, it's, it's, it's actually made up of a couple of Hebrew words put together, and there's different ones used in different contexts. It's a bit complicated. But when you look at the use of that word, it often relates to an image as we would think of in, in the Old Testament, like a, some kind of an idol. That's often the, the, the use of that word. Now, we also know that scripture tells us God is a spirit. He doesn't really have a body like we do. And yet, there's a lot of references speak of his hands, his fingers, his arm, his eyes, his ears, all of that. So I think that might also be a way for us to better understand his, his attributes and his being. But we see here in, in, in Genesis 1.26, it says, um, this is God speaking, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that uh, creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So we were made in his image. And I guess I'd like to think more of we were made in his moral, spiritual, and intellectual nature. Unlike the rest of creation, animals act entirely on instinct, but we as humans have a little bit more than that to act on. We have the ability to reason and to think and to make decisions based on that. You know, Adam and Eve were created perfect in every way. Have you ever imagined what Adam and Eve may have looked like? They, I can imagine, were a picture of perfect health and strength and beauty. Maybe a model, as we would think of today. And I also, scripture also indicate they were created as adults. They were given a job. Uh, Adam was assigned the work of, of course, naming all the animals. I can't imagine an infant doing that or a child. He was also assigned the task of taking care of the garden. Again, not 
likely that a child or an infant could do that. So I think that, that uh, we can see that they were created as adults, and of course, obviously childbearing age, because after that they started having family. So uh, I think um, this, is, this is, of course, you know, some of my ideas, some of the things that we can put together from Scripture. But I think uh, we certainly do have uh, a, a picture of a beautiful couple here if we think about that. However, soon after creation, after they were created, they sinned. Now, do they still have the image of God? Do we still have the image of God having sinned? And, of course, all of us having been cursed with that same curse. Do we still have the image of God? Yes, I think we do. Now, that image has been maybe broken or distorted in some way. But God has a plan to redeem us to himself and restore us to that original state someday. And that's something that we can certainly look forward to. So let's not forget about that. Yes, we, there, are, there is, of course, sin around us. We are all cursed with that same curse. But we are still made in the image of God. And um, certainly something to, to, uh, to look forward to. That's where we started. Now let's go back to um, a different scene when we have uh, man apart from God, I think is what I would call it, or man left to himself. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 6, just a couple of chapters later. And yes, there's a lot of time has elapsed here. But this is the account of God speaking to, um, to Noah and giving him some instructions as to what to do because of this. Because of the state that man was, man had forsaken God, was pretty much on his own again. Man was left to himself. Let's read uh, a little bit of their, their uh, environment, if you will. Genesis chapter 6, 11, and 12. And the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Man's moral purity had been lost. His intellect is corrupted by falsehood. His speech no longer glorifies God. And his relationships are governed by selfishness and pride. And I think that's what we have here. This is exactly where these people were. Verse 5 of that same chapter says that, Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's quite a sad picture when you really think about this, but it is a picture of man apart from God, man left to himself. And, and uh, even in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteous, righteousnesses, that's a plural, actually, a plural righteousness, are as filthy rags. That's all we have to offer God on our own. Even our righteousness, righteousnesses, boy, that's hard to say, righteousness, plural, is just that. That's the best we have to offer to God. And I, I looked twice at that verse, and yeah, even my computer highlighted it and made it all red. It is plural of righteousness. That's the best we have to offer, the best deeds that we have to offer is as a filthy rag. That's man apart 
from God, or man left to himself. And when you read these verses here in Genesis 6, it reminds us of our society today. You look around some of the, uh, some of the environments that, that we have in, in our day. So I can't believe that our culture, our day and age is a lot different from Noah's day. Man apart from God. Well, let's move on. There is hope. Who am I in Christ? And that's really what I, I want to look at. Who am I in Christ? Maybe a continuation of the title of the message. Um, we are called out of darkness. Uh, out of 1 Peter 2.9, we are God's own special. Uh, King James uses a peculiar people. Uh, that word sort of has a kind of a weird and negative connotation in our in our in our language here, but it has a deeper meaning than that. First, um, First Peter two verse nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, or a special people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Picture this darkness like we just described in Genesis, coming out of that into the light of Jesus Christ. We are God's own special possession. And that word also has the thought of a, a special purchase that you would make, something that was unique, costly, and uh, maybe, maybe a one-time purchase. That's sort of the thought of that word Peculiar. It's a special possession. We are also gifted to serve. Uh, a couple of verses in Romans 12. We are gifted to serve. <coughs> Romans 12, I think verses, read a couple of verses, verses 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. We are gifted to serve, and that's all of us. You all were given a gift or spiritual gifts to better serve. And if you want a good example of that, I want to direct your attention again to the Old Testament, Exodus 31. And I know I've been here before, but I love this one. I, I always seem to go back to this. And Exodus 31 is the account when God was assigning various people to build the temple, the furniture, uh, the curtains, um, everything that went into that. And there's a lot of work and detail given. Exodus 31 points a couple of people out that we want to notice. And the uh, read a couple of verses here, verses 1 through 6. And pay a special attention to these two people. Bezalel, we mentioned in, in verse 2. And then a couple of verses later, he also has a helper. Oh, where he is, verse 6, Aholiab. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, 
to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting in stones, to set them in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Eloiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. And I'm not going to read any further, but read on the rest of the chapter. And he talks about the furniture and the, 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 the cloth, the curtains, and, and uh, all the uh, altars that they were to build, and all the instruments that went with that. And there's, uh, and this is just the beginning of it, a lot of work, a lot of equipment, and a lot of, uh, just a lot of items that needed to be made. And I can imagine Bezalel may have been somewhat skilled and talented, but look at what God wanted him to do. Okay, he was going to be uh, some kind of metal worker in gold and silver and brass. He was a mason cutting stones. He was a woodworker carving timbers. And later on, he was to build furniture and the, the, the cloth material, the curtains, um, the altars, you name it. I can't imagine. This, this, any of you guys that have construction crew would love to have this guy in your crew. This guy could do it all. And what he lacked, God made up for him. It says right here, it says verse, verse 3, And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. You know, God provides for himself. God will give you that gift to serve. God will, and I, I, I gather that this was a supernatural uh, impartation of wisdom and skills that God gave to him. I don't know what his, what his learned trade was. Doesn't tell us, but he had it all. And he had what God gave him because God needed it. And I'm always blessed when I, when I read that because God still does that today. He'll do it for you if you allow him to. Notice Bezalel and his, and his sidekick, Eloiab, they had to be willing to do that. They gave themselves to that. They they, were, they committed themselves to that, and God worked through that. In that way, we are gifted to serve. Who am I in Christ? There you go. I am gifted to serve. Colossians 3.10 also says, We are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. Now, our creator has limitless knowledge. We all know that. He knows it all. That is given to us as we give ourselves to him. Some of that limitless knowledge. Have you ever listened or sat under the teaching of someone who just seemed to know it all? You just wish you had a fraction of what that person had. This is, this is what God has. He does know it all. And he will impart that to you as you give yourself to him. That's who I am in Christ. I am holy or sanctified, meaning set apart for a special purpose. And this is, again, going back to this, this, um, these accounts here in, in, in Exodus. 
this furniture that they were making, these curtains that they were making, the instruments for the serving, they were very unique. It's not something you would use in everyday household tools or in your shop, so to speak. A lot of these tools were specific for that purpose. And that's how these people were too. They were sanctified or they were holy. Um, Alvin just mentioned reading through some of the Old Testament uh, scriptures and yeah, that's exactly, I find that too, especially when you get into Leviticus. But there's quite a few times you'll see that the verse comes out, uh, Leviticus 20 verse 26, and ye shall be holy unto me for I the Lord am holy and have severed you from other people that ye should be mine. This is what made Israel holy. They were sanctified to God for his purpose to serve him. And there's quite a few verses that we have for that too. Um, verse seven, sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy for I am the Lord your God. This was, God is making a distinction between the gods of the land and him. His people were called to him because they were holy. They were supposed to be separate from the rest. They had a completely different uh, calling and a completely different lifestyle. You know, these people, the Israelites, of course, I don't know how long down the road this was, but they were former slaves. They had no clue how to relate to one another in a community. They didn't know how, what, what to, how to care for themselves, hygiene and health and so forth. God had to show all of that, and that's what this is, the law here in Leviticus. It was a law that guided their daily lifestyle because prior to that, being a slave, you don't have any rights. You're just given orders and do it. That's all you do. And, of course, in that culture, a slave is totally disposable and can easily be replaced. So now they had to be taught respect for one another. They had to be taught how to relate to one another, relationship skills and all that, on and on. This was all part of God's uh, law to them in Leviticus. They were holy and sanctified, meaning they are different from the other nations. They were different from those around them, and they were to serve God in him only were they to serve. Um, also see in, in the, for us today, we are also a member of the body of Christ, and John 15, we have the account of the vine. I don't think I'm going to read too much of that. But you have a picture of Jesus being the vine and the rest of us are branches. The vine uh, is the root that goes way down in the ground. I don't know much about grape, but I understand a grape, uh, an older vineyard has very deep roots. I don't know how, how deep, but relatively speaking, a deep root that goes way down. So they are not... They're not immediately affected by drought because they have a source of moisture that goes way down. But the picture of here is, is of, of uh, a vine with branches. And in the springtime here, you'll see them they'll go along, they'll snip all the whatever trash that they don't want or whatever they're doing, what they can to promote a harvest. And the branches that are cut are left to die. There's people that make crafts and weeds out of them, but for the most part, they die and they shrivel up and they chop them up and they compost again. That's what happens to the branches that are cut off. And that's what the picture that we have. As we allow ourselves to be cut off, that's what will happen to us. So we have a good picture of the, um, 
the vine and then of course the branches from that vine and as we uh, allow God to prune our lives that does promote growth and certainly a harvest. Now let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 2 as I read earlier I want to look into that a little bit more again thinking of who we are in Christ there's the the emphasis on the first couple of verses um, there in verse, well, verse 4. You notice verse 4 starts with a but. But God, this is a contrast from the previous verses. And then verse 4, it starts off with but God, comma. And then it goes on to give us the distinction between God and our former life. We are saved by grace through faith. God who is rich in mercy... Romans 6, notice a contrast here. 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, or sin being the devil. For the wages of the devil is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See the difference from wages and a gift? A wage is something you earn. You get paid at the end of the week, month, whatever your schedule is, for the work you did. Death or the devil pays his wages in death. But God's gift, not something you work for, you don't earn it, it is a gift, and that is eternal life. I'd like to notice these couple of verses here in Ephesians 2. Notice the quite a few times we have the phrase in Christ or with Christ, something to that nature. Verse 5, we are quickened together with Christ. Now, as we know, Jesus was the first one who was conquered death, raised from the dead. We, too, can claim that promise and look forward to that. We are quickened, quickened or raised up together with Christ. We sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In verse 6, we have that. And I don't know what that means to you. I had to think for a while myself. What does that mean, sitting together in heavenly places? How about right now? Do you find yourself sitting, as it were, in a heavenly place? I think it could be. I think it is. There are times when, certainly when you leave here and you go about your work and you mingle with the world and you see it all. Some of you get into all kinds of environments. But then you come together with fellow believers on a Sunday morning, and I guess I see that contrast as being like right now, sitting together in heavenly places. He will show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Verse 7, and that's ongoing. Uh, certainly we, we have all, I'm sure, experienced that, but that's ongoing. That's not over yet. That will continue. And then we are, we are his workmanship created in, in Christ Jesus unto good works. Again, we are, um, think of yourself in being like Bezalel's shoes or his, his helper. Um, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God anointed those men <clears throat> with special talents and abilities and gifts to do what God wanted them to do. And as they gave themselves to that, you can see they, they looked like they were <clears throat> Superman, if you will. Just uh, a, a very useful person 
in that work. God can do that for us. He will. He wants to. He's desiring that in us as well. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And then one more thought I'd like to look at, who we will be in Christ, and this is somewhat future. Turn with me to, to Revelation 22, and I, I love these couple of verses here. Who we will be in Christ, not completely fulfilled yet, but something we can look forward to. Let's read Re Revelation 22, uh, verses 12 through 14. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. To give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates of that city. Now this is the scene of the, the New Jerusalem and the, some of the things that we'll see there. But we see here in the beginning of chapter 22, notice several things that will not be anymore. It says there will be no more curse in verse 3. The Old Testament ended with a curse. It's kind of a sad way to end the Old Testament. That's the way it is. There was a curse pronounced on us at the end of the Old Testament. This is so wonderful. Here we have the end of the New Testament. That curse is will be no more. That curse will be over. There will be no more curse. Also says in verse 5, there is no night. There is no night there. There is no need for light. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof in Revelation 21, 23. There will be no night. Now, night is often associated with the works of darkness and Satan and his deeds. That's, that's often the, the association there. But in this scene here, there will be no night. And there's no need for artificial light, if you will, because, because the, the Lamb of God is the light thereof. And so I'd like to challenge us with that as we think of who am I, question mark, in the context of in Christ. You know, certainly we all have our own identity and uh, we are who we are, but... Apart, man apart from God is like we saw in those couple of verses in Genesis, Genesis 6. But in Christ, we have so much more, so much more to be grateful for, so much more to serve him with, and so much more to serve others as well. Let's stand for a closing prayer, and then I'll ask Chad to lead us in a closing song. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for <clears throat> who we are through you. We thank you, God, for your blessings on us, the human race. Thank you, Lord, that you have created us in such a way above, beyond the rest of creation, the ability to reason and to think and to make decisions. Thank you, too, for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you have given each of us the ability to serve. You have gifted us. You have enabled us to serve you in many supernatural ways, ways that we could not apart from you. We thank you for that. Thank you that you have made us in your image, in the image of 
moral, spiritual, and intellectual nature, you have given us uh, abilities far beyond the rest of creation. Father, we pray that you would help us to be mindful of this and be able to use these abilities and uh, this nature to better serve you. Give us a desire to continue to go on, <clears throat> realizing that man apart from you is a sad, sad state. But thank you that you have, um, through your Holy Spirit, enabled us to, uh, the Spirit dwells within us and enabled us to serve you. Thank you for your, your uh, saving us uh, by grace through faith. And Father, we look forward to also to the, the uh, future where some things that are not yet revealed, who we will be in you. We thank you for these promises. And we look forward to the day when the curse will be canceled and uh, many other things in it that, that, that are too numerous to mention. We thank you for your blessings on us in this way. Thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to, <clears throat> to sit together, as it were, in heavenly places this morning right here. And so we pray your continued blessing direction as we go from, from here. May your blessing and uh, Holy Spirit direct us and guide us as we go from here. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Chad, remain standing at the